Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 133, Ain't That Twee. That is an interesting one, Grant. That's an interesting one because you don't hear twee used very, very frequently at all. Yeah, and it's usually used in sort of a... Mm, a negative it's commentary. not really negative it's, it's, is it really though it's sort of it's diminutive it's, i wouldn't say it's negative whenever i hear it used though it's people making fun of the like the word and the idea which hold on can we define mm. twee i can't okay i actually can't I, really i don't i don't know even sure i'm using it and i'm not positive it's like it's kind of like a hipstery mode of of dressing and being yeah, it's yes. Kinda, a lot like steampunk, not like in the same form, but steampunk as a genre of like it's supposed lifestyle. To be, it's supposed to be whimsy, I think. Whimsy. Like, uh, yeah, like manufactured whimsy. Whew. The, uh, the the word games with the with the episode numbers have truly gotten out of hand. But it, it was a great episode. We had uh, Stephanie Cicerelli of Voices.com. She is the co-founder and chief brand officer, the CBO, which we, we never really dug into. No, hopefully she doesn't hold that against us. No, she was extremely insightful. And especially given that we have an audio program and that both of us have worked with voice talent so frequently, it was so nice to have her on. And it, it felt like everyone had a really <laughs> important point of view on the things we were talking about, and her most of all. Uh, we talked about talent, uh, which is a broad topic by design. Uh, but basically, it was when is talent a fit? How do you find talent? How do you manage talent? Where does talent come from? And everything else that rolls into that. Yeah, and it, it was a very uh, positive uh, conversation, us being Minnesotan, her being Canadian. It felt like we hit peak uh, peak positivity this episode. It was really nice. And uh, one thing I'm particularly positive about, Vince, is my love for Simplecast. Uh, thank you to Simplecast for sponsoring this episode of 10,000 Hours. Simplecast is the easiest way... Uh, in my opinion, to publish podcasts. They they make a great tool, has a ton of analytics, uh, lets you see you know how people are listening, how many people are listening, where they're listening, and uh, it really just makes it really simple. <laughs> I feel like maybe they thought of that when they were naming the company and building the product. <laughs> I, I'm not so sure. I don't know. It might be coincidence. By accident, yeah. It's just like so intuitive. It takes so much of the headache out of it. So if you're sure. thinking of doing a podcast, and you've got a good reason for doing it. Or maybe you're like us and you don't. Uh, you can do it anyway <laughs> because Simplecast just makes it that easy. And They're really great. Simplecast.fm for those who are interested. Absolutely. So thank you so much to Simplecast for sponsoring our program. And, and thank you so much to, to Stephanie Cicerelli for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. It was an awesome conversation. And thank you listeners for joining this week and every week. Hope you enjoy episode 133, Talent. to think i've gotten it down you know i've, I've got um a certain i want to say mise-en-scene uh in my <laughs> throat clear uh-huh no i think that's fair i actually think you might be understating it <laughs> understating it with mise-en-scene yeah you're right you're absolutely right i'll work on my description for the next episode and i might actually come with a with a new throat clear <laughs> Oh, 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 
So what usually proceeds a throat clear is, uh, is a question, a question I like to ask you, Vince. And you know what? I might as well ask it now. I think it's as good a time as any. Lovely. So Vince, what are you, uh, what are you working on? What are you putting your time into? Well, it's been a really whirlwind couple of weeks, actually. In about a week, I get ready to go to Toronto for a, a week of shooting for Comcast Spotlight. In the interim, I'm preparing for a wedding in which I am going to be the one running the ceremony. But before that, we just had our series finale of these parts, our 100th episode. Uh, will be debuting on Friday. So a lot of stuff going on. Series finale as in the podcast is done? Yeah, it's like this this version of it, it's done. I think we might reapproach it in 2018 uh, and maybe do like a mini series. But for now, it's uh, wrapped up. We put a bow on it. Cool, man. It's, it seems like maybe we could do that now. The only reason uh, we've kept going with this podcast is so that I could outlast <laughs> your other podcast. <laughs> Uh, and now that we've accomplished it, I don't know what else there is. Uh, so this will be the final episode of <laughs> No, uh, but yeah, it's been a really fun ride. So I've been busy lately. Lovely. What about you, Grant? What are you putting your time into recently? C- congratulations, my friend. Uh, you know, hey, a, a lot of music video stuff. Uh, I'm in post-production and pre-production on two videos. And I, I fear that my life may simply be forms of pre- and post-production until I die. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> the yin and yang. Yeah, truly. Uh, yeah, so I've been, I've been jamming on that. And actually, I'm popping back to Minnesota for a quick little respite and uh, hope to see you in the flesh, Vinny, my boy. I hope so as well, very much. So, so Vince, you are, you're going to Canada soon. Uh, mm-hmm. I've heard it's lovely. I've been several times. I'm a big fan. And I believe, and I hope she'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe our guest today uh, is currently in Canada. I, I assume she hails from Canada. Uh, we'll get some clarification on that. But uh, really excited to have her on today, um, particularly because I am a big fan of her company and of the service slash product that they, uh, that they produce, which is uh, Voices.com. Uh, I've used it for several projects. I'm a true fan of it. And uh, I'd like to welcome the co-founder and chief brand officer, uh, Stephanie Cicerelli, to 10,000 Hours. Welcome, Stephanie. Well, thank you so much, Grant and Vince. It's really great to be here. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, I'm going to jump right in. Wait, I'm going to first ask for verification. Are you currently in Canada and hail you from Canada? Yes, I'm currently in Canada and I was born here in London, Ontario. That's nice. Vince and I are I mean, both, it's really nice. Vince and I are both Minnesota natives, so we, uh, we share a border. I like to think Where that- is Canada as USA gets? Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, so thanks for joining us from the from the north. And may I ask you then, as is our ritual, what are you putting your time into, Stephanie? What are you working on? Well, what I've been working on, I think, for a very long time is helping to creatives, helping creatives do what they do best even better. So part of that is connecting them with the right people. And at Voices.com, what we do is we help to connect businesses and brands with professional voice talent to help tell their stories. So in, in my line of work, which is uh, writing for advertisements, voice acting is so crucial. We, a, lo- a lot of our productions live and die by good voice acting. So the talent you're providing is, uh, is paramountly important. Uh, I'm interested, maybe before we even get into our next uh, ritual, w- what got you into the business? 
Well, that's a great question because voiceover isn't exactly something that you just step into, right? Like it, it's, you discover voiceover, I think. Um, so my background is in vocal performance. And since, you know, being a child, I've always been in a choir of some kind, musical theater and, you know, played stringed instruments and, and was really active in the art scene. So, you know, after going through conservatory and certainly entering into university for music, um, you know, I, I just found that. That I needed to make a sample of my voice, a recording, so to speak. And um, those come in really handy, you know, when someone wants to see if, if they should hire you or not. So anyway, my first year of university, my mother, who's kind of like my manager at that time, I'd say she has, uh, you know, a lot of good business sense herself. She said, Stephanie, instead of always having to sing for people, you know, when you sing at weddings and, and all kinds of events, they always have to hear you. You have to audition for them every time. What if you could just simply record your voice and then send them an MP3 for them to listen to? And of course, back in 2002, you know, MP3s were relatively new. Uh, you know, the Internet was was not that old either and uh, it was a new way of marketing so anyway one day in the newspaper she happened to read this article about a young man who'd opened a recording studio in downtown London so what she decided to do was just cut that article out and bring it home for me to find when I got back from school that day <laughs> I know it, it wow. just sounds like really nice. the script has been written by somebody right <laughs> so at any rate um, you know I get home from school and I find this and I decide oh my goodness like this guy might be able to help me make my demo. So long story short, I did go and have that appointment with Dave at the Flying Disc and just kind of see his studio and, and figure out if it was something that, that I could uh, work toward doing a recordings with with him. So uh, we decided to work together. And over time, you know, um, we decided that we weren't just going to be working together, but we would build a life. So we got married. And oh, wow. Oh, my God. I did not know that this is where the story was going. I know. So and, and neither did my mom probably that day. She cut out the newspaper. That's article. incredible. So, yeah. So it, but you never know what will happen. And, and I, uh, you know, I believe that everything happens for a reason. So um, but that's how I got started is basically thinking, you know, as a singer, well, how can I better promote myself? And in my husband, who had um, a business of his own, it was that recording studio. His background was in the audio engineering side. And so when you put that together with the vocal performance side, uh, then then you you basically have the ingredients for, for knowing how to do voice work. So because of that same article, essentially people were calling his studio and saying, well, you know, can you record this voicemail? Can you do this commercial? Can you do whatever else it might be? be and since he only really knew one voice talent in the city and that was me he asked me to do those mm -hmm. jobs and and so that really began our our uh, kind of foray into the voiceover world and when was, that when is was this a terrific story chronologically yeah. like well it was 2002 okay it was so all 2002 yeah, that's 2002, and and you know it was just amazing to think that you well you're prepared your whole life to do something right, and and you have these uh, lessons you might take as a child, or you're involved in extracurriculars, or there's a subject that you particularly enjoy at school, uh, just to go with your whole 10,000 hours theme. Like there's just uh, I think that you you spend so much of your time investing your energy in the areas that eventually you will use uh, in your career, hopefully. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, if you keep at something long enough and you have a passion and desire to do it and, and there's a reason beyond just, oh, I'm good at this. It's like, no, I have like a desire mm -hmm. to do this. 
then that's, I think, when those 10,000 hours really start to add up and uh, quite possibly can can uh, be a, a multiplier, you know, totally. like if you love something oh, that man. across so much better. Besides being just like lovely and nice, your, what your story also made me immediately think of is something that we're really quick to forget, I think, in, in the mid-20-teens, which is that we're still not that far off from the frontier of so many of the services that we take as commonplace. The voice, like as you mentioned, the VO voice acting sphere was still really being fleshed out as as early as not even two decades ago. So that's fascinating to me. And I think it parlays nicely into our conversational topic today, uh, which is talent. And so you run a platform and you, you invented a platform that really is a amplifier for talent. It helps connect talent to people who need it. What I'm interested in is firstly, how you made the, the jump yourself from being talent to also managing talent and what your evaluation process for talent is generally speaking. Sure. Well, I guess we've got to go all the way back to university again. So when, yeah, why not, right? So um, I went to Western University, and, and my hometown, London, is a university town. And, and Western is kind of like Ivy League North, if you will. It's beautiful, gothic, you know, neo-gothic um, architecture and, and lovely landscape. And just, you know, it's like a city within a city is Western University. So anyway, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm in Talbot College and the music faculty, and uh, I decided that I would apply to be on the students' council there. So anyway, the role that I had went for was called the gigs commissioner. And if uh, you have a musical background, so you're aware that a gig is a job, right? It's kind of like what musicians call the work that they do if they've booked, you know, I don't know, a concert somewhere or they're, they're going to be. I mean, I gig economy is definitely a term that has become more commonplace. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So, so you know, we're all part of that. And uh, anyway, as the gigs commissioner, what my role was, was to actually help other people who needed the musicians to find musicians to come and play at their event. So, you know, if the president of the university needed a string quartet, for instance, then they would call down to the faculty of music, you know, obviously to wanting to hire their own students and give them an opportunity. Uh, and so they would connect with me. And then I would go on the gigs list, which had all all of my uh, my friends and, and the people in the faculty who had signed up saying, you know, I have a string quartet or I'm a harpist or, you know, I'm a flautist and I do weddings, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I had this list, this wonderful list of all of these highly skilled, talented, wonderful people. So I would simply just end up referring, you know, a handful of them to whoever it was who asked. And then they would decide who they'd end up working with and arrange, you know, um, all of those details offline from me. Um, but anyway, so so that's kind of where I think I started to want to be a connector. I'd always loved connecting with people and, and certainly throughout my academic career uh, from early days into university, I, I always had like many circles of friends. So it wasn't like I just hung out with one group. It's like I kind of knew um, people in different places and in different groups and in different interests. Uh, so I find that that as a connector of people is extremely valuable to have a wide network yourself, but also to feel at home and at ease with any number of different people. 
that I think therein lies one of the most important points, right? Talent uh, by nature requires diversity because, uh, especially if you're in the job of pairing talent with need, people are going to excel by fulfilling niches. Not always. Uh, I, in fact, we talk about multi-hyphenates on this show a lot and the value that they provide today. But I find it really interesting, Grant, maybe you can expound on this. Finding the right fit uh, is, also, is often not just a, a question of talent, but also personality. How to how closely do you think those two are linked, Stephanie and, and Grant actually as well? I'm curious both your opinions. So let me see here. So personality being linked to maybe just reiterate that for me if you would. Oh yeah, the balance between a personality fit and a talent fit, and whether or not one is more important than the other, or if the two are intrinsically linked mm. in some way. Just looking for I, some I, insight. I feel like in general. Uh, as I like the more I've worked, the more I've kind of needed personality to be a good fit just because I, I feel like I was more willing to like bend to, um, to mismatches with personality. I mean, we're being somewhat vague, but let's just say like on projects and, or with like a freelance client, I'd be more willing, I think just by nature of, um, necessity, whether that's like financial or work or whatever. But I feel like these days, and, and Vin, we kind of even talked about uh, this uh, on an episode we reference a lot, uh, Red Flags. But when I see Red Flags, I, I feel like I no longer have the uh, rose-colored glasses uh, or lenses of uh, talent. You know, it doesn't... I, I, I need the personality to be a good fit. Mm-hmm. Well, to echo that, I think personality does play a huge role, but it isn't just personality, it's attitude, mm. right? So, um, you know, because we're all different. I, I don't know if you've done the Myers-Briggs assessment or not. I know I have, and and uh, <laughs> I know how very different I am from a lot of the people I work with. But I also understand that, you know, I've come from the performing arts, and, and my personality type lends itself more to being front and center and, and being, you know, creative and, and time. I view it differently, and I'm more in the moment, and I, you know, I, I kind of am feed off of what other people are doing, right? But I just find that, uh, you know, personality type on its own, you know, there's just, there's a lot of diversity in there and whatnot and understanding other people and kind of being able to flex to their styles and so on, that's important. But but what is more important in the personality category is just, uh, you know, your attitude and how you treat other people and how open you are to feedback and, and uh, you know, just genuine conversation and, and having an open mind. I think that that is uh, absolutely critical because you can be the most talented person in the room, the smartest person. Maybe you've got like your, you know, Harvard degree or, or Yale or whatnot, right? Um, but if you are really difficult to work with or you are someone that is not interested in um, hearing other people's ideas, then then it doesn't matter how talented you are because in a company and certainly in the company that I run, much of what we look for is cultural fit. You know, obviously you got to have the skills, you got to know what you're doing and, and all that. But, but at the end of the day, you know, people want to know if they like you and if you want to be here with them, as we say to candidates, you know, in an interview with uh, the founders, the heart to heart there after they've been through a number of other um, aspects of the, you know, the recruiting process, they'll, they'll eventually get to, to David and I. And, and the whole point of that conversation, aside from, 
you know, validating perhaps the some of the skills that they have and whatnot um, is really to get to know that person and for them to get to know us. Because when you join a company or you're part of a cast or you're, you know, you're in a long-term engagement of some kind, you want to make sure that the people you're working with are, are not just, you know, um, they, they uh, need you to do certain things and you're good at them. It's that, mm-hmm. do I feel at home here? Do I like this environment? Do I like people? Do they like me? And is this somewhere where I am comfortable and I feel valued? For sure. That sort of, the, those sort of sentiments are, and the feelings uh, that, that come from working with, those, with people in, in a close environment are really amplified in a set uh, environment. Um, for me, like with a crew, uh, you know, on a filmmaking set, Vince, I mean, you've been on sets, it's like really, it's like really heightened and really palpable. And um, when I'm directing things, it's like so important, you know, because one one person whose energy is off on a set can really throw the whole production into. into oh man, it it's like it can't be overstated, especially and the higher up that that personality mismatch yeah. is, the more amplified the the problem becomes. I'm interested in a phenomenon which I will like sort of blanket call the the talented introvert. I would like you guys to speak hmm. to the the talented person who is not very good at broadcasting their own talents. Um, and perhaps I'm curious, Stephanie, whether a platform like voice.com allows for more introverted people to have broader access or if it maybe also is I wouldn't want to say amplifies a problem because that's completely the wrong set of terminology but like does the platform is the platform better for more extroverted um, networked people to use or does it like it does it fight that problem of a person who is introverted not really being able to make connections as fluidly as someone who's extroverted Excellent question. And I'm like a super extrovert. But anyway, so but I have taken a great interest in the personality types, especially the introversion, extroversion. My husband's an introvert. So, um, you know, for those reasons alone, I've been highly interested in learning more. Um, but something you'd be interested to know is is in my kind of travels of, of talking to our voice actors and trying to figure out, OK, well, you know, how do you feel about this or that? I've asked them about these personality related uh, topics. And and I said to the introverts, I'm like, OK, guys, like, does auditioning drain you? Like, do you do you feel like it's really hard to get into a script and, and be someone that you're not? And, you know, and to have to, to do this all day long. And like, I understand being alone at home as an introvert in your home recording studio is probably a nice, you know, oasis, a place to be away. And But I thought that, you know, having to do the voice work and trying to, you know, be bigger and, and, and talk and, and engage in these roles. I thought that might be exhausting, but, but what they told me, and it was shocking to me actually, was that it energized them. I'm like, what, how does this energize you? Like, that's crazy. But they said, no, no, it's energizing because I am alone. I'm in my home studio. I'm comfortable. You know, I answer these when I feel like it. I'm engaging in a platform where I don't have to be face to face with people. Um, you know, I, I can have my 
responses there. I can get into character. And I really love getting inside the head of that, you know, writer who wrote this and trying to figure out how I can make that character really special. And so, you know, instead of something being really onerous and draining on them to have to like, oh, like I don't, I don't want to have to, you know, get in someone else's head, they actually quite enjoy it. And, and um, I thought that was very strange. But then again, you know, I'm an extrovert, and I don't understand. Um, you know, I, I, if you guys watch Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> you know, like that character has like his <laughs> palace that he goes into. And it's like, oh, my gosh, the line palace, like, I'm sure that that's working overdrive for the actors when they're they're in their studios. Um but it was really interesting to know that this was actually not draining. What they did say was draining, though, and you can both relate to this, is exactly what you said about being on set and having those personalities that might be draining or to have to actually like be um, there and, and be subjected to other people and you know just feeling uncomfortable around them anyway if you don't know them very well and, and whatnot. But when you remove being in person, it's amazing yeah. how extroverted and introverted. <laughs> totally. That's excellent. I, I love the description of being subjected to other people. That's often <laughs> how I feel, <laughs> especially on sets. But uh, no, I, that's really insightful. Vin, I'm, I'm kind of curious uh, on the reverse side, um, how involved have you been in talent evaluation or in deciding on talent? What does that process usually look like for you? Like on the agency side? Ah, that's... Yeah, that's a great question. I have to do that all the time. And um, listening to reels and, and thinking about how and why each, uh, you know, each talented person selected that reel for themselves or whoever curated it for them for the reasons that they did is really interesting. What I always like to see personally, and this is just one person's approach, is range even if someone is like, really dialed in for the right sound that that I'm looking for. Let's say I want someone like serious and dramatic. Even if they have a really serious and dramatic reel, I would say I'm more likely to pick someone with range. And the reason that is for me is that it shows malleability. It shows the ability to work and change the way that you speak. Also, an interesting thing I've noticed is that when we do um, acting talent and they have VO uh, obligations... Like if someone is in a TV commercial, but we also need them to do a radio commercial to support it. They are, there's a huge talent gap in their ability to mm. flex to the VO work. Mm. They have some real limitations in running range and in taking criticism with just doing VO. Uh, the most talented people on screen might be like very much not, not the same way when it gets behind a microphone. So Stephanie what percentage of the people that uh, you work with would you say are like crossover artists? Do they do do they do screen and and VO only, or do you do you really not uh, encounter that very much? Oh yeah, well we have many different sorts, I guess like categories you could say of talent who join the site. So um, there could be people who strictly do voiceover and those people who strictly do voice uh, have usually come from more of a broadcast background. So maybe they're in radio. 
Um, then you've got your people who come from broadcast television. So they're used to being on camera and, and then also doing voiceover. But there's a lot of actors out there who discover voiceover after they've already been doing on stage and on camera. And, and they're like, wow, I had no idea that that I could actually make some more money doing this. So a lot of them come by it, you know, because they've discovered um, that voiceover is an option. Uh, A long time ago, people who were on camera would almost, you know, avoid voiceover, right? So it's very interesting to see how far that's come, especially with the celebrities and animated film. Emoji movie. (laughs) I imagine. Uh Maybe this isn't even the right question um, for someone in your station, Stephanie, but do you do you notice any sort of particular differences between those who have been in broadcast uh, audio their whole life and those who have come from the stage or come from the screen? Yeah, oh, totally. Um, so when someone has come from an acting background, then they have those skills. They know how to act. Now, uh, you were speaking earlier about on-camera actors becoming uncomfortable behind the mic, and that usually happens to people if they have not encountered the microphone before. You know, it doesn't mean they don't have the skills. It's just that they need to adapt those acting skills and then marry those skills with microphone technique, which they may or may not have. Um, I know that the microphone can sometimes, uh, you know, have kind of the ability to to make someone who's generally really, really bubbly and, and confident in themselves uh just kind of shy away and then it's like wow what happened to that person like you know usually they are like this but all of a sudden there's a microphone in front of them and they've they've changed um you know to someone different it would appear uh but for the most part what we see is that when someone has got stage acting experience um musical theater for that matter um broadcast on you know on camera then they they have more of the acting side um you know especially if they've been in, in television shows or film um, but when they come from broadcast radio in particular uh there's a bit of a gap there so far as knowing you know that well i've got this great voice and everyone has been told that, of course, oh, you you should be in radio or, or you are in radio and, and you've got this amazing voice and people just love it. Um, but they have trouble sometimes, not all of them, but, it you know, as a group in general, that the people who come from broadcast radio have to unlearn some of what they had developed in broadcast that worked for them in that arena, right? Because they'll have this personality that they developed and they're known as, you know, that voice and so, for instance, you could look at, you know, radio personalities who have their own shows. They, they have that persona. And sometimes it's hard for them to shake that persona even when they're not on air. So they could sound like, hey, how are you doing? Da, 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 whatever. And in like both facets of their work life yeah. and their home life. And so just find that the longer that someone is in broadcast radio and they've not had exposure to voiceover or acting, um, the harder it is. For them to kind of shape that radio voice out of themselves and uh, what they need to learn how to do is to become a character to be someone other than that personality that they've worked so hard and long at creating and perfecting mm-hmm. totally um I, that's really insightful um grant i'm also curious to ask you the question that you posed to me as someone who does i mean normally you're mm-hmm. putting people on the camera but it's still talent evaluation um and there still needs to be like 
elements of of blending look, yeah. feel, and performance. So, well, I mean, and too, what, I, what are your thoughts? I have actually, like I've said, used Voices.com uh, specifically for voice talents. That because it's like I, I swear this isn't a, sp- a sponsored uh, endorsement, but like the the reality is. <laughs> Um, on especially on uh, you know where I, I come from filmmaking on budget you know I really like I've come from running gun and like small teams and I'm building up the productions but uh, especially on a smaller production it's tough you know I, I'm not going to have people you know I can't do an open call really and get auditions but using voices I was able to you know it's like I can put the script on there and I can get like 20 30 responses and I can literally drop it in with the video and see what fits best. So in some ways, it's sort of like hacking the system on that side. But but as far as like on screen and like working with people on camera, I I genuinely, for the most part, I feel like if I have a good rapport with someone and I feel like they're even somewhat of a fit for something, I can get the performance I need out of them. I mean, how long someone is actually on screen is is not that long and if we have a little bit of space to work with it so in that way i'm actually to, to bring it back to the personality stuff i'm more concerned about their um their ability to just like work with me and and be cool <laughs> be cool on you know on the set uh because if if they're comfortable with me and i'm comfortable with them i'm pretty confident in my ability to get what i need and really that's i i'm the arbiter in the end of what the what the video is what the final cut is um and especially with digital filmmaking you know I can do 15 takes and get a range of action and of, of things. And then I can really kind of find it in the edit. Um, I, I know it's not a sexy or romantic answer, but it's the truth. So in that way, a lot of times I'm just like trying to make sure they're cool. Cause a spe- man, one of the last music videos I did, the talent was legitimately a nightmare and it made it so, so difficult. I mean, truly, it was like two days, a couple of the hardest days of production I've had because she was just like on one, man. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> on one, for those who aren't in the lingo, is uh, I, <laughs> that includes me. It just means like... Me too. <laughs> where like she's just on her own page is that where yeah i guess it's kind of like i guess maybe that bridges from like on like a bender or like on what you know what i mean like on a tear like a bad oh it's a oh yeah a bad bad one a bad wavelength bad bad, streak i get you oh Oh, there's definitely that so i almost want to do an entire episode on that but i think we would be remiss not to Mm. venture into this territory when we're talking about talent uh, the split between learned talent, coached talent, mm. and natural talent. Uh, and this is sort of, it's not necessarily a sliding scale. It's sort of a spectrum. Mm. Um, but Stephanie, how much of the talent that you find for use in voice.com and, and that you just witness out in, in the world of media generally, do you believe to be the balance of natural talent versus like learned talent, taught talent. As someone who's a performer herself, uh, you have to have some specific insight into this as well, I'm, I'm imagining. Oh, for sure. Well, I've been to all kinds of places, uh, certainly a lot of conferences over the years to see voice actors and hear them read and have been to talent showcases in New York and, and just, you know, kind of um, hearing different levels and skill and so on. And sometimes you will find, you know, the diamond in the rough <laughs> that we everyone mm. always talks about, oh, being discovered. And you see somebody on a street corner in New York and suddenly they're a superstar. Well, um, I find that 
you know, even if someone does have natural talent, that doesn't mean that they know how to use their instrument. So, um, you know, just to give you an example from my own past, like uh, growing up, I had, you know, choir school and and all of these other, you know, I was really talented, um, but I hadn't yet taken private lessons. And that was something that my teachers who thought I was really talented ought to have done. Like, you know, you should really start studying privately. And I think that sometimes, um, you know, creative people or, you know, artists, they can become like a little like, what? I don't need that. Like, are you telling me I'm not good? And it's like, no, actually, you know, the opposite is that these people who see you and they know that you have this gift, um, it's kind of like saying, well, we've got this gold or, you know, but it needs to be run through the fire because we need to burnish it, you know. And so instead of thinking... Um, you know, like training is going to ruin my gift or it's going to, you know, um, I don't need it or something, it, you know, just really need to be humble about that. Cause I think that, uh, everybody, regardless of natural gift, and sometimes you see this on like American Idol or, you know, these shows where they kind of pluck people out of obscurity because they've, they've done auditions and an open call and they're like, Oh, you know, like here's somebody that we can feature and, and like, You know, it's very rare that you will find people like that who are as gifted as they are to be, you know, put on display uh, on television like that. But, but, you know, like there's a lot of those people work really hard, too. Um, But I think that, you know, natural raw talent alone is not going to get you anywhere. Like it's very rare in any business, I would think, where that's the case, Um, maybe in some, but... But if you want to make it as a professional voice artist it's, these days, it, like you got to put in your time, right? I mean, that's that is the sh- that's our show, you know. That's, it, absolutely, we we I, I just shot with um, a girl named Lauren Dusky uh, last week, and she did she got second on The Voice this season, and I talked with her a lot about that process, and she <laughs> she has been working her whole life, you know, for that. It's not like it was like she auditioned and then all of a sudden she's really great at singing. Like she's been working so hard and it was just like really obvious. I, I feel like that gets overlooked. People, you know, it's 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 nice, I think, for people to simplify the it's like, oh, well, I'm not super talented, so I could never be X. You know, it's kind of it can be an out. Not not to say the talent isn't important, an important factor in in being successful in some of these artistic uh, endeavors, but really it, it is a lot of just time, energy, focus. I think you'll, you'll appreciate this. I have a quick story for you. So I used voices.com for a video. Vince, do you remember this, the ride or die video for death to stock? Sure do. Cool. So I wrote this script and we produced this video. It was a sort of like manifesto style thing for uh, a project, a collaboration between death to stock and uh, these cafe racers of Instagram. And, um, uh, it's called Ride or Die, and I found this really unique guy, really unique voice through Voice.com, and uh, I like loved it. It was pretty. He kind of had this like Yoda esque like way of speaking. <laughs> and it, was, it, was, it was pretty specific. But um, uh, someone, a, a creative director from I think Havas, uh, saw that video, and I think in like at the end of last year, uh, just contacted me directly and was like, "Could you put me in touch with this guy?" Um, the, who who is the voice talent on this? Like, I need to know. And I gave her his contact info, and I and he was reading. I think he got to the final like two uh, for a Super Bowl spot they produced, and it was just like, isn't that random? It was like amazing. I was like, this is so cool because I would have never found this guy. I mean, there's just no way I would have found that guy otherwise. But he read, you know, he auditioned for that video, and then he got this really cool opportunity from it. And I, I think that's what's beautiful about the work you're doing with Voices.com, and and I think with anyone who is truly trying to uplift and connect talent versus you know keep it 
keep it uh, keep it locked down and control it. I think it's really cool. Yeah, well, it does level the playing field in certain ways, right? Like to have, uh, you know, the ability to sign up on a website to audition for jobs that match your profile that you feel you are a good fit for. Um, it, you know, it, it's really empowering. And certainly we want to help as many of those talent as possible to find work. Um, you know, we, we guarantee opportunity. The work side, is, as we all know, is it's up to whoever is making that decision in the end. Um, but helping new talent to be discovered and, and surfacing those talent is, is an area that I personally find um, rewarding and interesting. So uh, I, I usually keep my ear pretty low to the ground, to be honest. And, you know, I'm listening for, for voices and, and thinking about them and, and kind of, you know, helping those up and coming artists and nurturing them and, and giving them resources through our website to help them to become that next great voice talent amazing it's excellent and i think we have said before one of the most generous things that a creative person can do is help other creative people and to enable greater creativity that's definitely what talent aggregates or talent search platforms or even just people who help their friends gigs those are all versions of that same idea of helping creative people meet other creative people and do creative things and that enablement is really important i think it's important to every creative ecosystem and Mm. i think it's sometimes a voice and and to a lesser extent um you know live action and, and video and stage these are the most obvious examples because basically commercials and productions need human bodies to rep to be represented in them but it can take the, a lot of different forms as well. And I just think it's important in, in every way, shape, and form. And so for that, mm-hmm. Stephanie, thanks for what you're doing and thanks for your platform. Oh, well, thank you. I, I'm really glad that you're, you're loving the site. Yeah, absolutely. I, and something I appreciate about, about the site versus some other talent aggregators, and I put that in quotes, um, and I'm, I know that's not what you call yourself, but uh, I think of something like 99designs, which to me um, mm-hmm. is less of a productive tool for the industry it's more of a it's more of a productive tool for that business and for like mining uh, an industry like design um, for the you know the cheapest labor and and I'm not saying it's all bad but there is to me a market difference between that and something like voices.com which you know has legitimate rates and legitimately connects talent and talent seekers whereas something like 99 designs or you know I guess even like Fiverr, I'm not, I'm not positive on that. That's a little more nuanced probably, but I just think it's it's important to have a certain level of like respect for the industry versus taking advantage of an industry. And of course, you know, you coming from the industry, being part of the industry, you're obviously more conscious and, you know, uh, aware of that. But uh, yeah, I do think that's an important distinction to make. Well, thank you. And, and I really appreciate you saying that because it is true. When you come from the industry, then you have a greater understanding of what goes into that creative process, the end product, uh, you know, the heart and the soul and, and all the technique and the talent um, that is mm-hmm. required to deliver, you know, a Super Bowl commercial, for instance, or, totally. you know, a, a promo movie trailer, audiobook, talking toy, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, that, that's, I think, Something that we've always stood behind is, is having minimums for, you know, jobs uh, being posted on the website and, and also yep. upholding, um, you know, great rates and opportunities for, for our talent. <laughs> totally. so, well, I, 
I didn't mean to chuckle since that was such an insightful point. I'm just thinking. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the talking toys and how I just had not yeah. anticipated that. Being <laughs> I didn't a, either. I was, I was picturing the is. Elmo. It yeah, clearly yeah. is. So I think in the spirit of that, Grant. Yeah. So forgive me for audibling Please. here. Audible. Uh, I think we should move to a topic that isn't particularly germane to the one we were just talking about, but might be just a little bit because yeah. I would love to talk about talking toys. <laughs> and Boom. Uh, Stephanie, if you're not familiar, each uh, week we do an off-topic topic to sort of freshen the conversational palette. And I'm I'm really curious. I think everyone knows the Tickle Me Elmos of, of generations gone by. Yep. And of course, when I was a, a lad, it was Furby. But uh, have you done talking toy work? Or have you helped, you know, set up talking toy work recently? Or if not, just talk about your favorite talking toys from the past, Stephanie. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'll start with the first talking toys I remember when we do that. Um, So when I was younger, uh, I was in the Teddy Ruxpin generation. (laughs) There was this bear, and um, one of my cousins had him, and and, you know, Teddy Ruxpin spoke, and that was crazy. Like, I can't remember if he was somewhat animatronic as well, but that was one of the first talking toys I remember. And, of course, they, they started having um, computers, little tiny computers that would teach you to read or do math. Like, I just remember those, you know, mm. press the red button. Yeah, press the <laughs> this button. It was all very much like that. Um, but so far as the, the work that we're doing at Voices.com, of course we're doing talking toys. Uh, you know, wow. off the top of my head, I, I can't quite name you know one that you might have seen only because we do have some non-disclosure agreements and i'm not quite sure uh which of those ones they are of course, so, of course you know but uh it's just an area that we touch as, a, as an organization is these toys and and i have i love going in the store like you know in any store that is selling these talking toys and just pressing the buttons and i know it's like really awful and all the parents are like no don't press the button no <laughs> and like and no one wants their kid to receive a talking toy or a loud yeah, toy yeah no they're a nightmare low-key but they're amazing truly yeah. truly a nightmare no they're a beautiful nightmare <laughs> What's really cool about these toys is that, you know, they're an extension of that franchise or that brand and you can get like, you know, if you're an actor, you may choose to do the voice of those toys. Sometimes they're done by someone who can do a voice match, which is, you know, it's not the actor who actually was the voice of, you know, in the original production, but someone who can match them. Um, You know, like it's really neat how you can actually um, carry on a brand experience you know, through the various applications that uh, it touches. Like, um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, transmedia, for instance, and, and it's kind of a word that was thrown around uh, at uh, one of the conferences I was at last year. And, and just the, the idea of how, you know, you could have um, this character live in so many different facets of like, sure. it could be in a book, could be a movie, could be a talking toy, and then you see them online. And now it's and, a vitamin, and then we've got a handkerchief, and it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's everything. <laughs> on that word. So I know that if anyone's listening and they're like, no, no, that's not what transmedia means or, or, you know, we hate transmedia. <laughs> I, I feel like tra- translating into multiple channels, like living in different contexts. I think that that sums it up. Yeah. We, you know what? We'll soak up that hate mail if it comes this way, <laughs> Stephanie, <laughs> we'll, we'll take that bullet for transmedia. I think you've got a very fair description of it. Vinny, do you have any uh, experience with talking toys in your youth or? Yeah, I do for sure. I think, our our high school, it was our middle school at the time, but it bled into high school, went through a, a Furby mania. It was truly uh, otherworldly. Wow. People would bring their Furbies. They would disrupt class. It was it was insane. And also, 
the Furby, and this is, I guess this is sort of a cliche joke to play upon, but it's also the real truth. When the battery started to die in that thing and the, and the speaker slowed down, that was honestly nightmare fuel fuel that lives up to the hype. Demonic. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. I, That's my favorite thing about talking toys is that they have like an intrinsically spooky quality that can come out in them. Uh, and this is doing a disservice to connect her <laughs> to this part of the conversation, but I think we should really we should really talk about a former guest of ours, Susan Bennett, Bennett. which was of course um, Susan Bennett, uh, the voice of Siri. We were waiting for you to get hyped on that, Stephanie. Come on. Oh goodness. Okay. Yes, yes, no, Susan is great and, and the work that she's done is, is heard all over the oh, world. Oh, I, I wish and, I wish you guys had like some voice talent beef or something. You're like, Susan Bennett, don't ever <laughs> say her name. <laughs> She'll never work in this industry again. Yeah. Oh, no, she's wonderful. That's something you'll find in the voiceover nice industry is that um it's a very uh, collegial, I'll say, um, environment. Like people truly are you know, uh, I would say wanting to help each other. Um, yeah. I know in the on-camera world, it, it might not be exactly the same, but it seems that um, because uh, the voice actors are not necessarily as motivated um, by, you know, yeah. fame, for instance, being known, um, that they, they they share some kind of uh, kind of just a yeah. way of, of being that... Um, you know, it doesn't lend itself to as uh, much competition so far as, uh, you know, being um, aggressive toward one another. Mm. It, it is more of a, you know, I'm really good at this and, and this is my niche. And sure, I, I'd be happy. There are so many people who I can think of who have just been so, like, very generous with their time and their, their advice. Uh, if I could bring up Don LaFontaine. Um, he was the in the oh, world. Yeah. Have, have, movie you seen that, have you seen boy. that movie? Uh, uh, Lake Bell. Lake Bell. No. It's truly beautiful. Uh, wait, Lake Bell? Does that sound right, Vince? Are you familiar with the film? I'm not familiar with it. I think so. it was an A24 film. Uh, Lake Bell, she wrote and starred in it. And like in that movie, that's her father. And she's like a voice actor. It's like so awesome. It's, oh, I, I strongly yeah. recommend, especially for a voice geek such as yourself. And pardon me for saying that, but I think it's true, Stephanie. You're a voice geek. <laughs> uh-huh. A voice yeah, geek. It's you know, a I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, yeah, but I mean, the people like Don, and Don passed away in 2008, so he hasn't been with us for a long time now. Um, but, you know, he he would spend, like, I was at a conference once where, where I actually met him, which was awesome, 2007, so the year before he passed. And there were hundreds of people just lined up waiting for, you know, a chance wow. to have a picture taken with him his hand and and he literally was there until the last person and he was still his he was fresh and energetic and he was humble and he um there's just so many wonderful examples of um you know mentoring in this industry and and the ability to to uh, reach out to others because they know how difficult it was for them coming up uh in in the world themselves this is cool this is sort of blowing my mind you know anytime you put a microscope or even like uh, binoculars to a topic, a subject, especially something that people are passionate about, uh, you realize there's just a world within it. And the voice industry is like, what a cool little, not, excuse me, but what a cool like niche, what a cool like craft. I'm like fascinated by this. Thank you so much for, for uh, revealing it to us. Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. Uh, Vinny, I, f- I feel like we were, we were off topic for a bit. I'm wondering if we could maybe go a little more on topic. That does really seem to be the right direction to move. Uh, so, on that note, 
Stephanie, if you'd be so kind as to answer a pair of questions that we have for you. That's how we wrap the show every week. Um, they are as follows. The first one, Stephanie, how can our listeners support you? Well, the easy uh, answer is to hire a voice talent on the website. Uh, because on our website, we have over 200,000 voice actors from around the world who are interested in getting work. That's why they're there. And uh, the lifeblood of any marketplace is to, uh, you know, have, um, well, for us, I'll just say, is to have those those uh, jobs, those engagements with our talent. So um, if you're a creator and you're out there and you're listening and you're like, wow, you know, next time I get a voiceover, I think I'll go to voices.com. Please follow that instinct (laughs) 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 website. um, You know, their client memberships are free. Uh, you can post your job and get auditions and compare them and and then pick the voice. It's so good. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. I've used it so many times and I'm, I'm a huge fan. Awesome. That, and we also have a podcast, too, um, that we have. So yeah. that is kind of, I, I, you guys are podcasters, too, so you understand why I'm, I'm trying to put this one out there. But, but Sad Stories yeah. is an excellent way to connect and to learn um, as a creative to kind of feed your soul in a way that um, I don't think many podcasts out there are doing necessarily in, in um, you know, bringing on really interesting guests. And, and certainly, um, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be on your podcast and appreciate yeah. that. How, how often are you guys publishing? It's every couple of weeks. So cool. yeah, just this uh, one of our more recent episodes, we had on the most interesting lady, uh, and she actually was a she creates languages. So that that's a whole other area of linguistics and so on. But she wrote Kryptonian for Man of Steel for that Superman film. What a specific thing! It's so incredible. Oh, for sure. But, you know, like these are the sort of little gems that you find as you, you come across in the creative process. It's like, well, what else is involved in telling a story? And, and that's really what we're going after is, is just kind of helping other people to tell their stories better. Love it. A terrific answer. And, and one that is, I'm sure, priming the pump proverbial, <laughs> proverbially. Uh, I need some voice work myself, I guess, uh, for the second question, which is, Stephanie, if you would want our listeners to take one thing away from your time on the show today, what would you want that to be? Whoa. <laughs> That's a deep question. You, you blew her mind, Van. <laughs> You're, yeah. Maximum pressure, of course. What I think that I want people to take away from this show is that, you know, we all have a story to tell and we've all come from you know, backgrounds and experiences that we've had in our lives that have shaped us to being who we are today. And, uh, you know, just um, finding a way to to connect those things. I think it's important. Um, being in community is important. So I, I know you likely have a community around your podcast too. And, and the work that you're doing, you know, respectively like outside of the podcast. Uh, but, but just that people will be true to themselves, I think. Knowing yourself is really important. Um, and just understanding how it is that, that you fit into the ecosystem in your industry. Mm. Well said. I mean, I mean Often that's what talent is. It's about fitting. It's like being the right fit and learning how to be the right fit and how to amplify your own talents and abilities to supplement the needs that are around you. That's And that's what Voices.com is doing too. So 
a really a, re- a nice summary. I think so too, Vince. Mm. It's it's a really beautiful time we live in. You know, uh, it's something like voices connecting talent. It's a, a lot of it really seems to come back to the having a little bit of a will to either work on yourself, work on your skill set, go seek out information. You know, there's all the information you really need to develop a skill or to develop a talent is out there. And then there are things like voices and and a whole host of other things that can connect your talent or really it's like not even so much talent as like your discipline and your desire, your will to do something. It can connect you, you know, through the internet, through all sorts of means to uh, to opportunities. It's it's a great time to uh to be a creator, I think. Absolutely. Stephanie, you've already been so generous, so I I kind of like don't want to ask, but I'm going to anyway. We do have one more request for you. Are you, are you game for it? Sure. Uh, we sign our show off the same way every week, which is with a ship it. Uh, the literal literal words ship it. Uh, we have our guests give us a, a sign off with our mantra. So if you would, Stephanie, give us a, a Stephanie of voices.com ship it. That would be so nice. Let's see here. I'll just try to riff here. You've been listening to the 10,000 Hours podcast with Grant and Vince. Now go ship it. <laughs>